Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Gordon Dean, and this is the Sower's Seat Pod Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Sower Seed Pod podcast. I am your host, Gordon Dean, and I am once again embarrassed. Just like I had this incredible epiphany not too long ago about the fact that I hadn't yet touched upon what the actual gospel of Jesus was, is, and why we should be sharing it, because it's really the the, the cornerstone, the foundation upon which all of this is based, I completely spaced off doing that until very recently. Well, it occurred to me as I'm sitting here trying to come up with ideas for these podcasts that I use a phrase on a fairly regular basis that suddenly it occurred to me I've never really gotten into. And that is that the Bible is a very living document. It is living, it is breathing, it is alive, and it is very much as true now as it was 2,000 plus years ago-ish that it, depending on the scripture, was penned. Now, the first thing I wanted to kind of do on the subject was to I guess to kind of share a little bit, it, it's kind of a, a fun thing for me anyway, to take a look and, and to realize that some of the phrases that we use these days actually came from Scripture. Now, look, I understand some of these are not being used nearly as much as they were when I was a kid. And so I'm going to be dating myself just a little bit by suggesting that these are commonly used phrases, but, you know, bear with me. Now, some of them are kind of obvious, like, you know, oh, you of little faith, or uh, when someone falls from grace, or or the, the ever popular, love thy neighbor. And granted, that gets used in a manner in which it may not have been originally intended from time to time, but these are pieces of scripture that are rarely taken out of context. I mean, let's be honest, there's there's really not uh, a, a, a way to misunderstand the accusation that someone is of little faith. But there are some other uh, other turns of phrase that are used in the Bible, and that's where they are, seem to have originated and are still in use today. So, for example, um, if you've had a project at work that was due or uh, your senior project in high school and, and, and somebody said to you, you know, don't don't wait until the 11th hour to get this done. Well, the 11th hour is a direct reference from Scripture. It's out of Matthew. Um, I'm sure you've heard somebody say they're at their wit's end. Uh, here's one that I know is still being used today because I I still see it on various uh, social media platforms. So it's not just us old farts on Facebook. I'm seeing this all over the place. And that's the blind leading the blind. Again, that comes from scripture. You're going to find that in uh, in Matthew chapter 15. Um, some others that we use or you may not have used, but you've heard somebody else say uh, by the skin of our teeth, uh, the idea of moving mountains, uh, 
the one that I, I'm reasonably sure is going to completely date me is is the use of the phrase "the writing on the wall." I I haven't heard that outside of my own life in probably thirty years, maybe forty. Yeah, I'm older than forty. But the one that I love, the one that I, I, look, I'm not going to lie to you. The first time I heard a pastor actually say this during a sermon that you read the scripture and, and was, you know, the sermon didn't revolve around this sentence, but to know that it came from scripture literally floored me. And that is, there is nothing new under the sun. Now, I know you've heard that phrase. If you are older than, you know, 16 years old and have a, any regular interaction with the outside world, you, I'm sure, have heard the phrase, there's nothing new under the sun. And here, for me, is the big deal about that phrase. Because that sums up everything about this podcast in one sentence. There's nothing new under the sun. So I go back to the question, how do we know that the Bible, that Scripture is alive and it is every bit as true now as it was when it was penned thousands of years ago? Because, and it says right in there, because there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that we deal with in our day-to-day -day lives to some degree or another, boils down essentially to the exact same things that man has been dealing with from the very beginning. And so there is nothing new under the sun. Now what that means, for the purposes of this discussion, is that because there's nothing new under the sun, and we as Christians, of course, believe that God gave us these words of guidance to make our lives more fruitful, more fulfilling, and, and just generally speaking, easier to live through and to bear before we get to heaven. And it's, it really is. I mean, it, it's this principle upon which things like the prosperity doctrine are based because God does want you, how do I put the? don't take this the wrong way, but the, the oversimplification is that God does want you to be happy. God actually wants you to be happy. He wants you to live a fulfilled life. But, as a side note, he acknowledges, too, that you're not going to be able to do that in the world. However, he does give us some guidance on how we can ease that frustration. So let me give you an example. Despite how much fun it may be to sleep with as many people as is humanly possible, there have actually been studies conducted that have concluded that couples that save themselves and, and their, their sexual experiences to strictly within the bounds of marriage 
tend to remain married longer, tend to have greater satisfaction in their spouse and greater satisfaction in their love life. Now, of course, the obvious response to that is, well, then what is your basis for comparison? And the fact is, you don't need a basis for comparison. Because, you know, the, well, okay, so let's say that there is somebody else out there who is more sexually adept than the person that you're married to. One, you, for lack of a better description, don't know what you're missing. Ergo, you can be fulfilled and content. And two, does that knowledge make you love that person any less? Because if your quote-unquote love is based solely on their sexual prowess, dude, <laughs> this isn't going to last. Whereas, again, these studies have shown that when the sex is only in the bounds of marriage and is, is a, a physical expression of an emotional state and is kept in the marriage bed, that it is wholly satisfying and leads to, and, and well, I shouldn't say leads to, but is, is a major component of greater satisfaction in your marriage as a whole. And whether you're a Christian or not, I, I, I would like to believe that it could be relatively universally agreed upon that marriage should be forever. That divorce is not where we wanted to go when we got married. Okay, now granted, I'm, I'm trying to be as, as pandering as I can to the non-biblical crowd here because I'm trying to get you to understand that we do agree on certain things. Um, there are, of course, other guidelines, if you will, that are, are written in the Bible that, again, I, I really don't think that anybody would disagree upon. Uh, don't murder. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't look at somebody else's things and crave them for yourself. Do you understand that, again, scientific studies are showing that people who actually instead of, of looking for the next best whatever it is, actually try to be content and satisfied with the things that they have, actually live longer. Their overall life um, uh, contentment, happiness, whatever, tends to be far greater than those who are constantly looking for the next best thing. So again, folks, the, the rules for living that are, are published in the Bible are given to us, and by us I mean all of mankind, with the understanding that I'm, you know, as, as God, I'm not trying to give you a bunch of rules to be a killjoy or to, 
to make your lives miserable. I'm giving you these rules because this is the actual operation manual for the mechanism in which you live on a day-to-day -day basis. I designed this body of yours. I designed your mind to work in a certain way. I designed your soul to crave a certain kind of spiritual food. And here's the instruction manual. Here's the oil change schedule. Here's the tire rotation schedule. And if you follow this and apply it to your life, you're going to be far more content, satisfied, and happy on this bumpy road that is going to ultimately lead to the end of this bumpy road. And then, of course, what comes after that is a, is a different subject for discussion. So, again, I, I've cited some examples of how we know that, that this is the case. So, what do we do with this knowledge? Well, so the first thing is... We as Christians need to change our perspective on the Bible. As I've said in earlier podcasts, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's, it's about a relationship. It's about things that break his heart or, or make his heart happy. But it's also about our experience here as, as humans. This is, this is the part of the prosperity doctrine that they actually got right. That God, in a manner of speaking, God does want you to be happy. God wants you to live a more fulfilled life in him. And this is, if nothing else, and, and I know you've heard me talk about this before, this is where the ideas of finding peace in him, finding joy in him come from. But it goes even deeper than that. Like I said, God has provided us with this body. And if you just think about it in terms of a machine in which your soul is the passenger and The, the, the purpose of the, of the proper operation of this machine is to get you from point A to point B, meaning from birth to death. He's also given us the operations manual to be able to make, first of all, to be blunt, to make this machine last longer than if we didn't adhere to it. And we can debate that all you want. I'm not going to cite the example. That's why there was such a pause. I was debating whether or not I was going to cite a very specific example. Because to be blunt, it's one of those things that it's a completely and entirely undeniable truth 
but one that is complete and utter folly to the world. So I'm going to let it go for now. I don't want to start a fight. All that's going to do is detract from the message I'm trying to get across right now. So the fact is, again, that he gives us this operations manual and, and says that, you know, if you, if you will follow these things, the trip down the road is going to be longer and a lot less of a hassle than some of the others. Not to say that Scripture at any point suggests that by following Scripture, your life is going to be devoid of pain. In fact, it's quite the contrary, and that's, that's where the prosperity doctrine just falls off. Well, so... If then we understand that this operations manual is truly for our benefit, it's not just about worship God because God has some sort of inferiority complex. Because again, scripture even specifically states that, you know, hey, if, if y'all aren't going to cry out to God, if you're not going to worship him, I will make the stones cry out my own praise. He doesn't need us to do these things. But again, he gives us the tools with which we actually can lead far more fulfilling lives, but we deliberately don't go after those. Now, again, given the examples that I've provided, and look, I can go on and on and on and on, and we're going to end up covering a bunch of territory that's going to get people turned off, and this is just going to end up being a long podcast for no reason. What I'm driving at is uh, historical sciences and archaeology point to the fact that the Bible, especially the Old Testament, are factually accurate documents. Uh, you can go back and, and see some of the examples uh, in the, the archaeology podcast that I did some weeks ago. For whatever reason, we, we had to prove by sciences that, again, the... Uh, the rules for living a happy life, as outlined in the Bible, tend to be pretty accurate, which, again, it strikes me as humorous that we knew this for thousands of years. It's only been in recent history that we've completely rejected the idea simply because it's based in the Bible and then we had to come up with scientists who were going to prove it scientifically. What we already knew for thousands of years. But rejected because we knew better. Until the scientists showed us what we knew 
for thousands of years. Anyway, I could go on about that for a while. So where do we go with this knowledge? If we know that science continually seems to indicate that the historical portion of the Bible, that the history portion of the Bible is accurate, if science and, and, and studies and, and all of this indicates that these rules for living tend to produce the outcome as described in the Bible, happier, longer lives. What then does that say about the theological aspect of it? Well, so the first thing is, If A and B are true, the implication is that so is C. Now, again, here's where we go back to, and I made this point again in the archaeology podcast. We can't prove conclusively with science that God exists or that God created the world or that Jesus was the son of God and that he died for our sins. These are all theological components that cannot be proven until it is too late. But again, if you see that A is true and B is true, why would you not at least Acknowledge that there is a strong possibility that C could be true as well. Well, as, as we've covered before in other podcasts, because truth often sounds like foolishness to those who are fools. Um... I wish I could remember what the the meme going around about uh, about the truth, but anyway, I digress. I, I'm I'm wasting time here. But Jesus Jesus was very clear with us when he said, "And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." It will set you free, and, and the uns, unspoken portion, because if you look at the whole thing in context, the unspoken portion of that, that specific sentence is that the truth will set you free from the bondage of sin, the slavery of sin. So again, if, if we've proven or, or gotten a great deal of indication that the historical aspect of the Bible is accurate. And we are getting more and more proof that the everyday life rules for living do in fact produce longer and happier lives. Why then is it such a leap 
of faith and so difficult for people to believe that the author of this rule book, this, this, this user's manual, is in fact the one that created us. I'm not just asking you to go out on a limb and say, okay, well, if A and B are true, then C could be as well. I'm, I'm also asking you to, to, to understand that the reason why Scripture has lasted as long as it has, number one, is because it is breathed by the Spirit of God. And he gave us this information, this, this user's manual, because he's the one that created these bodies. And he knows how they were designed to operate. And if then he is the one that designed these things, you know what, let me, let me pause right there and, 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 and ask you something. If you had a Rolex watch, a genuine Rolex watch, and you said to yourself, you know, this has been a, a massive financial investment, but this is something I've always wanted. And this is the exact one I've always wanted. And they don't make it anymore. And so as a result, I'm going to I'm going to perform regular maintenance on this thing. I'm going to take it into the jewelers to be cleaned from time to time. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to extend the usefulness and the longevity of this Rolex. Would you then, if you wanted to go online and take a look at, you know, what what steps you needed to take to keep this thing in tip-top shape, would you go to the Armatron website? And for those of you who don't know, Armatron is like one of the absolute rock-bottom cheapest digital watchmakers on the face of the planet. I'm sure there are others below them, but that's the name I came up with. No you would go to the information published by the maker of that watch. You would go to the Rolex website to learn what you needed to do to care for that. You would go to the maker, the ones that know everything about it, to get the reliable information. Well, that's my point, is that the maker has given us this instruction book that even through our own devices, we are proving actually works Why is it so difficult then to believe that the one that gave us this information because it's proving to be true can't be relied upon or doesn't exist? Well, that's that's who we talk to when we pray. That's who we believe in is the one that has proven that the instructions he gave us are accurate because he's the one that designed this machine. And so the only thing that people absolutely positively refuse to acknowledge is, is that it, it was the creator that wrote the instruction manual that we tend to ignore. But Jesus lays out very clearly what this ultimately needs to look like. 
And he said specifically, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It will set you free from the bondage that you have put yourself in by ignoring the instruction manual that has been laying on the shelf gathering dust for 3,000, 4,000 years. And, and what does it all boil down to? Well, John 14, 6 tells us very clearly, Jesus said to him, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So, again, A and B are true. It's not a stretch, therefore, to believe that C could be as well. We know that B was provided or because of how, how well B is proving to be accurate, we have reason then to believe that the one that wrote it actually knew what he was writing about because he was the creator, which then also lends credence to the whole concept of C. It's not that far of a leap, folks. It really isn't. And so because of this, I am constantly telling you the Bible is as accurate now as it was when it was first penned. It has stood the test of time and it has proven both in the anecdotal and in the practical application that this is true because there is nothing new under the sun. We are at the at our basest core, we are the exact same kinds of people that Moses led out of Egypt. And so the rules that he gave them are every bit as applicable. And the rules that his son expounded upon are every bit as applicable. This has been the Sower Seed Pod podcast, and I'm your host, Gordon Dean. God bless.